You are listening to the For Life and Godliness podcast with Pastor Brandon Scalf. And now in verse 11 is the present of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So this good news of great joy is bound up in one present, if you would like to put it that way. And that present is Jesus Christ, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And what you see here, Jesus is given three different titles. So there is good news of great joy, where there was darkness plaguing the landscape, as it were. And... That good news is wrapped up in one person, and in that one person, there is three titles, three names given to this Christ. But here's the deal. All of those are packed with so much meaning that it would blow your mind. It would would, would take the entirety of your life. It would take the entirety of my life to exhaust one of these words, and yet we're going to try to cover all three. Well, let's look at them. Let's look at them in detail. The first one here, it says what? For today in the city of David, verse 11, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the word Savior here then presupposes a threatening condition lurking to undo us, destroy us, And plagues us. A synonym for the word saved would be rescued or delivered. So this good news of great joy is good news that people are going to be delivered. They're going to be rescued. They're going to be saved. A savior is very simply someone who saves. But Jesus is the savior. He's the savior, as other texts have said, of the world. A Jesus' death is so efficacious that it can do the unthinkable. It can forgive iniquitous sinners who stand in rebellion against God. Now, every version of Christianity, every form of self-help, every form of everything has their own saviors. But there are myriads of false saviors. Even preached in Christian pulpits across Tulsa and in America and across the world. Oftentimes people think that that God exists, that he sent his son in human flesh to save them from bad circumstances. Well, if I trust in Jesus and I have faith on him, he'll heal my marriage. He'll give me the parking space that I want. He'll cure me of that disease. Have you ever heard the saying, I was in the military, so this comes to my mind. Have you ever heard the saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole? Well, it's a saying to wrap up this idea. Most people will neglect God their entire life, and when they are convinced of sure death, they will then pray and cry out. Now, God can use that, but oftentimes, that's the sign of a wicked heart. It's like God is a genie in a bottle. Now, God can use that, and he has. As a matter of fact, in some ways, he did that to me in my own life. 
And so I don't want to disparage anybody who might have actually come to Christ when they're getting shot at. But God did not send Jesus into the world so that we could have better circumstances. He didn't didn't send his son to be slaughtered on a cross so that we could be winners. I see a church driving down. I don't know what the road is because I'm not good with geography, but it's a road in Tulsa. And, and uh, there's a, it's a huge church, and I think it's called Guts. And on the sign, it says something like, Christ came to make you a winner, or we'll make you winners, or something like that. And I'm like, what? By worldly standards, Jesus was the biggest loser of all time. He grew up poor, had no place to lay his own head, according to his own words. He was betrayed by his best friends. He was slaughtered and killed, hung on a cross, brutally tortured and spit on as he was dying. And then he was mocked for the things that he said. So I don't even know what that means. This is why people take Philippians 4.13 out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But Jesus did not die so that you can win the MVP of whatever it is, sport you're involved in or that you can get that promotion or whatever the case may be. Paul was saying in Philippians 4.13, I can be in jail and be tortured. I can be in jail and, 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 and lose friends. I can be in jail for the sake of Christ because God sustains me. I'm content to live here if that's what God so calls me to do so that is a false savior another one is bad habits in some places that you go for example uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous you just need to believe in a higher power And he will be able to stop you from engaging in that alcoholism. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Let me cover some bases here real quick. Can God heal marriages? And can he help you to be a worthwhile worker that will get a promotion? Right? Can God cure alcoholism? God can do anything. He's God. But is that why Jesus came? Primarily. No. Jesus did not die on a cross so that we could have better willpower in our lives to achieve the things that we want to do, to kill bad habits and to produce, as some famous books are called, atomic habits. That's another false savior. Another false savior is that God sent Jesus into the world to create for us better relationships. That's no savior. Now, God did die so that we could have be reconciled to both God and man, and we'll get to that actually before the end of the sermon. That's not primarily why Jesus came to save. Now, there's also myriads of people who think that, you know, some of the Jewish people in the Old Testament uh, as well, that Christ came to save us from political oppression or societal oppression. No. He didn't do that either. There is one specific reason that he came to save. 
The problem is not our passions or our lusts or unbreakable habits. The problem that Jesus came to deal with was the problem of our sin and our guilt. Our sin and our guilt. Like I said at the beginning of the sermon, Jesus was not born to create holiday. He was born to die for sinners who are consumed with sin and guilt. What does that mean? It means that Jesus came to do away with the power of sin and the penalty of sin. And in the future, he will do away with the presence of sin. The power, the penalty, and the presence of future sin. Two of them we get now. And one of them is in the future. What do I mean by that? Jesus came to do away. Let's do penalty first. Jesus came to do away with the debt that you owed to God. One of the most provocative questions you can ask to many people, especially people who claim to be Christians, is who did Jesus die for? Did Jesus die for you? In one sense, sure. Now you're paying attention. But Jesus ultimately died for God. And what do I mean by that? I mean, God burned with wrath and indignation. And as Psalm 5 says, he hated all those who engage in iniquity. Remember, he's holy. We should be frightened in his sight. And so we were owed nothing but eternal hell forever. We were owed nothing but God's holy and furious wrath. And Jesus came to live the perfect life on our behalf. That is according to the law of God. He checked every box. He died the death that we deserve to die. And what he did is not die for any of those things that we just mentioned. He died to absorb the wrath of God do you and me. The penalty that you and I rightly and justly deserve. Well, pastor, it's not fair that some people are saved and some other people aren't saved. No, what's not fair is that any of us get our penalty wiped away because of his grace. Uh, Jesus put on flesh, and that's what we're celebrating here, the incarnation. He put on flesh, the second member of the Trinity, put on flesh and came on a rescue mission to absorb the penalty that man got himself into. He had to be fully man. But only God can endure God's wrath. So he had to be fully God. And so in the incarnation, we have what's called the hypostatic union, where God comes in the flesh as fully man and fully God. The God from eternity past is now in space and time to live a life for you and me and to die a death we deserve to die. He wipes away our penalty. But in so doing, he removes the power of sin over us. When you meet Jesus and when he saves you, your life changes. 
The power that's... See, here, here's what you need to understand. And this is what we're going to get into in January when we get back into the book of Ephesians. We are all dead in our transgressions and sins. Right? Sin has so pervaded the human person, has so pervaded you and I's heart, that we are considered spiritually dead. We do not respond to spiritual stimuli. We need heart transplant. We need shot back to life by the heavenly defibrillator, namely the Holy Spirit. That sounded real Baptist. It's true. And where we were once slaves to sin, where we once couldn't do anything but sin, because Christ has wiped away the penalty and given us the gift of his spirit, that we now have the power to lay that sin down. Where Christians used to be filled with anger and fury, now they are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, love. Kindness. Where we were arrogant in our pride and we suppressed the truth and unrighteousness, we come to God humble and willing to receive his truth. As a matter of fact, that is what the shepherds here are symbolizing. Ones who are humble, who receive the truth of God. Not only that, but there will eventually be a day where all of the sin that still plagues us will be completely done away with. Though we are able to walk forward and say no to the power of sin, uh, we still will not be sinless in this life. But one day we will be. And one day we will not be sinned against. And one day we will have every tear wiped from our eye by Jesus himself who won victoriously our salvation in himself. This is why Joseph, in the story of the Jesus incarnation, his father was told that you will name your son Jesus for he will save them from their Sins. His name Jesus is bound up in the salvation of sinners. That's why Jesus came. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle. Jesus is not someone that helps you get your best life now. Jesus is one who has undone the power of sin, has paid your penalty, and will erase its effects forever. Heaven has been unloosed. For Life and Godliness is a ministry of Heritage Church Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information about our church, please visit www.heritagetulsa.church. To listen and or download sermons from our pastor, Brandon Scalf, please download our app, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, and the like. We have labored and prayed, hoping that this podcast would be a blessing to you and your family.